You're listening to the Creative Habits Podcast, exploring the boundaries of creativity with artists from around the globe. And now your host, Wyatt Christman. All right, this is Wyatt with the Creative Habits Podcast. I'm here with Tim Wheaton, and uh, he's on the show joining us for just a bit, uh, telling us uh, a bit about uh, music and coding. And uh, Tim, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and you know, for those that don't know who you are, why don't you give us a little, you know, brief uh, introduction? Okay, um, I consider myself an innovator, creator, and steward of the people. Um, I like to work to help and provide any, you know, resources or opportunities for for people, um, especially when it comes to music as well as uh, technology. So I work in the area of um, creating different platforms and uh, opportunities for young people to learn about technology, as well as, um, you know, other, you know, people who have interest in music and, you know, want to develop themselves, uh, you know, as far as a career is concerned or, you know, you know, various things of learning about the music industry. And as the music industry has changed, uh, I consider myself an old school veteran. Um, You know, I've been spent over 10, 15 years. A few years ago, I reinvented myself and tried to really get um, informed with the technology and so forth, which is happening, which has pretty much made a full shift um, within the music industry where we were were dealing with a lot of, you know, digital streaming um, downloads used to be the big thing at the time as well. So just kind of like, you know, looking at those platforms for for artists and and up and coming artists and kind of trying to find their way and navigate through uh, the music industry, as I call it today, the digital music industry. Nice. Nice. So now you you started one of the interesting things. You started the first soul music school in in Stockholm, Sweden. It's called the the Modern Soul Academy. Can you give us a little uh, insight into that? It it sounds like Sounds really yes. interesting. Yes, yes. So um, I had an opportunity to to uh, work with a um, uh, with a band uh, in Stockholm, Sweden, and it was supposed to be for a short period of time. But I actually wind up spending ten years in Stockholm, Sweden. Um, and during my time that I spent in Stockholm, Sweden, I developed the first kind of soul music s- school called the Modern Soul Academy. Um, out of a place called Frieshuset, which means in Swedish, it's the freeze house. So it was a place where young people would go and, um, you know, any area they were interested in. We had a skateboard. There was a skateboard school there, very innovative um, um, facility, skateboard school there. There was a gaming school as well, in addition to um, a mobile app school where, you know, young people were learning about how to develop and build um, mobile applications. Um, and, you know, they had backing from Nokia during the time, as well as Ericsson, which was one of the Swedish um, technolo- uh, web developing companies. But it was the first one of the first music schools, um, soul music schools, which we just based around um, not only learning about the industry, but really learning, getting more depth about, um, you know, musically, as far as like soul music, um, rap is concerned, you know, the different ways and, and to, you know, lyrically how to deliver, you know, specific raps, as well as getting really deep into to soul music. And it was a big it was a big deal during the time that I, I stayed in Sweden. We had an opportunity to also partner with Sony Music ATV, which was really cool. So they had 
the interesting thing is they had kind of um, an over overlook as far as like what type of material were coming out of the, the studio that we had. If they were interested in the material, they would talk to the young people and explain to them what contracts look like if, and try to provide opportunities where they could, you know, they either could go out and solicit their music or that they would help to finalize their production on music. So um, in addition to that, we had an opportunity to travel the world. So through the program, we were able to go to Barcelona, Spain, uh, Germany as well. And then we went to Amsterdam, Holland, and where we had uh, two weeks worth of like just a boot camp, music boot camp, where we connected with people from other countries, talked to them about their musical styles and um, as well as their interests. But, you know, end of the day, we're really talking about, you know, focusing on young people's interest and how they could we could really help them in their needs regardless if it was based around music but just you know anything we could help them with you know if it was you know issues that were they were dealing with at home how could we then take that and put that into lyrics and you know really drive drive that emotion out or just have the opportunity to kind of relay information that they felt that was important to them and so when when you say youth um you, you know what what age uh, range are you are you talking about a full range or what what was your usual yeah. so our average age was between the age of 15 all the way up to 18 okay um years of age and the demographics were you know a mix of um swedish kids and we had a lot of um at the time they were they were considered second generation youth so because we, we we're talking about europe so similarly we have the issues that we're dealing with in the states so their parents may have not been born in Sweden, but they were born in Sweden. And, you know, we helped to kind of um, work with them and work through different issues that they faced as well. So, yeah, those, and those issues came out in the music. And you, how did, did you find it hard to kind of motivate them to, to, to bring that out in the music? Or, or was it uh, something that was quite natural, uh, you know, to happen? And, and does... Have you noticed a change, you know, over time from like when you started to like now you're you're in D.C., right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, um, and yeah, I'm listening. Yeah. Just just to speak to that change, like drawing people out was is it hard to to bring that uh, alive into the music or do you find a, a natural transition for, for the youth that you work with? I think it was more of a a, a, a natural transition. So. I think everything starts with a source. So, you know, whatever it is that you're dealing with from a creative perspective, everything starts from a source. You have a source, you have an idea, you have a feeling, you have a thought, and it's just finding a way of how to express that. And a lot of times people get caught up on the idea of, I can't express it, um, what others would think about if I express it, will it be too weird to express it? Do I really want to express it? So all those kind of things emotional things are also a part of the source and may stop and hinder people from um, being creative or, or, you know, or communicating what they want to say. So, you know, in that space of time, what we try to do is to try to um, allow them to just either write or be in the room and kind of listen to um, different styles of music that they like. And maybe at that point, that begins to kind of um, break down different barriers and walls, especially of music that they can relate to. For example, we may have a, had a kid from Ethiopia, 
you know, so we may have listened, we may have pulled up music and beats from, you know, um, his origin of where he came from and then looped it. And he was interested in hip hop as well. But we tried to loop that, you know, that um, piece or sample um, within the music. And then he begins to loosen up a little bit more and feel more comfortable. Um, and then we ask him, do you want to you know, rap in Swedish and he may not feel comfortable rapping in Swedish. Okay. I don't understand the language, but you go ahead and get your emotions out and let that be your communicator and your first, um, uh, go to as far as how you want to communicate, um, in, in that regard. So, you know, really trying to kind of, um, tease different areas out. And then at that point, I, I really feel it's a natural expression because everybody wants to have some opportunity to express themselves, how they feel, how they think, and just, you know, just emotionally what they're what they're going through or, you know, giving other people an opportunity um, to understand them. You know, maybe they're misunderstood. So giving them an opportunity to understand them. So I believe in one sense, it's just the, you know, finding a way how to tease it out and, and, and get them kind of more engaged um, uh, in the process. And then again, it becomes more natural for them to kind of, uh, okay, now I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm able to communicate this. I'm, I'm ready to wrap this. And we've had other kids who felt like, um, you know, they were looking to, you know, the U S certain U S rap artists that they thought that were, you know, hip cool during the time. And this was during the time when like, you know, sample people were still like, big on NWA and, you know, all this kind of stuff that was going on. So the first thing came out of his lyrics was blah, 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 blah. He may not even understand. I don't even want to say it. But yeah, you know, using the whole typical jargon and just kind of, I let him write. I was like, okay, this is right. Okay. Now, where did you get the lyrics from or the ideas from? And he may have got that source from somebody else. Now I'm asking him, well, we're here in Stockholm, Sweden. So what is your real source? And then he begins to further think it through instead of, okay, now I've gotten that out, um, all the stuff that I thought was a source, but really wasn't because I was, you know, playing off someone else's source. What is my source? What is my home? What is my direction? And so a lot of the guys that I work with during the time are, are you know, some of them are, are a few of them are, are, are quite, um, Adam Timster, a few of them are quite big artists in, in, in Sweden now. And, and a lot of them, again, was trying to find that source. And some of them already had it. They knew, I don't want to copy, I want to be unique, but just to find that source. And at that point, it becomes more more natural for them um, uh, to express themselves. Know, express yeah. themselves, exactly. To so, what kind of, so, so you really listened and drew them out and tried to dig deeper into who they were so that you could find that part of themselves and help them express it in the music mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, try to bring, um, you know, an originality to it exactly. rather than, than always copying. Because the first thing that someone might do is to mimic. And in that sense, uh, that mimicry can help you, but you want to move beyond it, get deeper, get to that source. What, what sort of, uh, you know, tools besides, you know, let's say talking to them and figuring out what sort of tools did you sit them down with and, and kind of draw that, that original source, um, out of them? Right. So basically, again, it, 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 it all boils back to the music. So basically we would sit down and, and, you know, play different varieties of music. Gotcha. 
um, to them, you know, play different varieties of music, if, you know, considering that a tool, as well as just to be honest, to really um, sit down and have a conversation, you know, have a, d- a discussion, conversation with them, Take if it needs be to take a walk, you know, to, to get away from, you know, that platform and maybe take a walk and kind of talk it through where there's not a lot of people around. Mm-hmm. And then as well as just kind of having, giving them an opportunity to be in the studio and show them how to, you know, work the MPC, how to use the equipment. So once they begin to use equipment, they can begin to say, hey, this is a beat or this is something that I've created. This is a, uh, you know, a melody that I've created. So, you know, that was a, a source of tools as well as, you know, just, you know, have an opportunity, which is which is interesting because of the learning skill, having an opportunity to just kind of be on the computer and write and say, OK, well, look, I'm not best as you know spelling is not my my best area and writing it down but if i get on a computer i'm able to you know spell check and and write everything out so those were the kind of tools that 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 we used okay so and then from there you know in is there a a difference well uh, what kind of differences did you uh notice when you moved you know from sweden to dc and 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 continued the work because i it it seems like that's what you you did was move uh, to DC and kind of continue that work. Is that correct or? Yeah, that's correct. So yeah, yeah that's correct. So I, I, I mind you, <laughs> it's interesting. There, there's a big difference, and um, you know, I I hate to say there's there's definitely a big difference between the young people culture in Europe and then the young people culture in, in the United States. Yeah, unfortunately. I feel that the young people culture within Europe are more informed as far as the different um, um, ideas of what a gimmick artist is and what an artist is really speaking from the heart. And they really have more of a, um, an empathy for artists that are, are speaking from the heart and um, really focusing on issues that really matter to the community and really being a voice. Whereas I felt you know, during the beginning part of hip hop. And, you know, I don't want to, you know, hone in and say, okay, well, when I, when I was, when I grew up, this is how hip hop was. But the the fact is, um, it was about communicating that message, you know, like, well, this is what we live. This is the situation we live in. This is how, how I grew up. These are the issues that we face. And it was like the news outlet, like kind of like the CNN. And so a lot of kids in Europe are drawn to more artists that have that kind of compassion and empathy because some of them are actually either going through similar situations or just seem to um, gravitate to kind of that, oh, this is more genuine. I can, I can relate to this or it's just, just genuine. It's not a gimmick. It's not really driven by um, companies, corporations, and and big branding. So I, I think a lot of the young people are, are, are you know in Europe seem to be have a, a real big interest in a, a lot of the, the the rap and soul music coming out that has a, a little bit more empathy as well as a reality check of what's going on in the U.S. Because that's their communicator. That's their way of seeing. You know, every day I can see champagne being, you know. Um, uh, thrown up bottles being thrown up, but that's not what specifically what they're looking for. Now, when you come to the U.S., I mean that's that's pretty much the generic focus um, when working with young people is how much money we're going to get uh, or have, which they don't have. A lot of in most cases they don't have. Um, 
you know, yeah, bottles up, champagne, women. It's that whole gamut of of just like this is this is how you're supposed to be. This is the gimmick you're supposed to present. So I, I think it's you know it's 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 unfortunate you know, and so sometimes you don't get to really hear the real, real issues, especially. I mean, my goodness, there's so much to be talked about with what is going on currently in the United States. And I'm, I'm just waiting for a specific artist or a rapper, a singer. I mean, I'm just looking back at, you know, how, you know, Stevie Wonder, when he moved away from Motown, that was a time when he really dealt with, you know, really what was going on in the community, you know. So uh, it's, there's a big difference. There, there definitely is a big difference. Do you see that changing? And are, are do you... Uh, when you moved and you noticed that change, were, were the things you could do to kind of bring people closer to the heart of what they felt and were, um, you know, going through and bring that out into their music? Right. I, I, I definitely, um, as far as the change, I mean, it's always been kind of, unfortunately, it's been gravitating this way. And I understand, you know, if someone gives you $100,000, lays it on the table and says, here, you know, just we want you to continue to make this kind of music. What are you going to say? And then all of a sudden you want to come with music from the heart and soul and really talk about your community and say, no, that will, will reduce that hundred thousand then. So it's, it's always that issue of, you know, you want to feed the family or you, you want to get out of your current situation. So I, I get it. I totally get it. And I, I don't knock specific artists for us, but there needs to be more of a ride variety of style, you know, as far as um, from a creative process, if we're talking about creative, creative, creativity creativity uh, there needs to be more of a, um, of a of a of a balance between the two and i would say that um it you know working with young people it's, it's frustrating because it's what they see it's the people that they know you know on the block who are beginning to make a lot of noise and 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 those are the things that are rapping about so it's difficult for me to tell you know to say to them like um, you know, won't, won't we really try to focus on the heart of the issue? I can talk all day and, and have an exercise, you know, picture between how they live and then what they're writing about. And, and they understand the correlation, but they still feel like if I'm going to if I'm going to make it in this business, if I'm going to be an artist, this is the norm. I have to follow this path in order to be a breakout artist. Now, on the flip side, I am starting to see more change from a bigger perspective um, as far as artists are concerned. I'm looking at an artist, for example, Chance the Rapper, who is kind of pretty much, you know, totally disrupted the whole music industry, especially from a, a digital technology platform. It's just amazing what he's done and putting out his record and kind of really making people think again, like, well, what is the process of income and how do we look at, at, um, you know, revenues perspective and what is that? Is it really about the music or is it about how much money I can, you know, make off the consumer or, you know, information I can give to the consumer. So he's really kind of has that, that balance. And I really believe in, in these, you know, social entrepreneur um, focus or companies because you have to have that balance. You can't all always be investment um, driven based off and, and, you know, revenue. You have to serve the people, the users. Who are your users? Who are the people that are out there purchasing that music, you know? And you want to be genuine with them, you know? You want to have them, you want to allow them to be a part of the process that you create. 
So it's definitely a difference. There's definitely a difference. So what kind of for for the um, what was his name again that that you you said uh, Ch- Chance the Rapper, Chance the Rapper. So what kind of things is Chance the Rapper doing? As an example, you said he's he's using a lot of the technology. What are some some examples of of uh, kind of the things that he's doing? This kind of cutting edge and 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 different. Well, one of the things he did he he, he released his mixtape, which was um, which was free. Um, in addition, he's had several offers from from major record labels, but turned them down. Um, you know, for his own own means and reasons, realizing that I could pretty much create my own platform as far as like how I go out and market myself, um, how I promote myself online using social media to the fullest, as well as, you know, he's got a video out right now, which was created specifically. I think it was an iPhone. I'm not sure. But I know it was a um, it was a mobile device. We're talking a video back in the day. These videos, you had guys like Hype Williams and so forth charging like between $150,000, $200,000 to shoot a video. He shot it with an iPhone. And it's probably one of the biggest videos out at the moment. So it's, it's, it's really boiling back down. It's not specifically about the um, technology. Technology is a tool, but it's about, co- it's about content. It's about your purpose. Who are your users? You know, who are, who are you serving? You know, and I think that's that's key. But like I said, uh, technology played a big part as a big tool um, into is a big tool as far as, um, you know, it, it changes the game. You know, I could shoot it. I could shoot a video on my iPhone. You know, my kids can now shoot a video on the iPhone and even probably do clips. You know, just, hey, you can come to the come to my office and, and, and use my um, use my Mac and you can clip the video there and you can put it out. I mean, it just really changes the game. It does. It changed the game a lot. So, so people like you know, on a, on a, a different medium, a comedian, you know, Louis C.K. He bypassed and said, "Okay, you can watch this show for five bucks," you know, instead of the usual. Right. And and so that's what you're kind of alluding to is is that same uh, bypass and saying, "Okay, well, we don't need to have these big platforms anymore if we can." connect directly to the listeners to the people who enjoy this music then we have more freedom they get it less expensively and yet everybody is fine because when you spread it out it you don't have to have that middleman then you don't have that that barrier anymore right Uh, okay nice Nice. So, um, with with uh, what you're doing now in DC, can you describe some of um, uh, you know what you're doing in DC that you've seen uh, uh, make a difference? Yeah. Um, so, I've pretty I've created. It's been five years. I've created a um, a leadership camp for young people, specifically um, our underserved community, um, African American males within the community, and it's been five years uh, program that i've developed where we go out of the again we're, we're same idea concept that i had in europe we go out of the community so i take the kids away from their current environment to kind of really focus and discuss specific issues that they're going through um as well as connect them with mentors um the interesting thing about this is that it wind up becoming a tech camp basically. So, you know, ask him a lot of ideas. What are you interested in and what are you doing? Again, they're constantly on the, the iPhones, the iPads and, you know, downstairs making YouTube videos and, 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 um, 
um, you know, in the teen centers and so forth. So, hey, this is this is an idea we can run with. Let's let's start to focus on the camp being a technology camp. So the the bigger part of the technology camp really started at American University, which was two years ago, where we went there and took a group of kids there. And I found various people within the community, um, you know, who, who look like them, you know, who had startup companies um, that were doing everything from digital media, graphic design, you know, uh, Pitch Love was one of them as well. They came out. They, you know, they help organizations um, with the seed funding process. Um, so they came out and talked to 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 the young people, and you know, provided them with some guidance and advice, and 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 a little bit more about technology. And a lot of them said, "Look, I'm I'm I was originally a recording artist, and I wind up going this direction and, and working with technology." Um, you know, one guy. Um, you know, Kenneth Wiggins was a, was a big part of the program as well. So he had a company was called, it still, still uh, exists today is a company called black stock photo, which was only, you know, there were, there, there was a need, you know, that wasn't being filled within this technology community as far as like photos, positive photos and just photos of African Americans. So he started a company called black stock photos and he was, he grew up in the DC. He grew up in the community that these kids lived in. So it's like beyond seeing just basketball players or football players, you see guys who are out here, you know, working for fortune 500 tech companies, who still wear their hat to the side, who still wears a, you know, loves to have the, the latest pair of Jordans on as well um, when he goes out, but he's a tech guy, you know, that's what he does. And, and you know, he knows a lot about um, technology and he knows a lot about the community that he grew up in. So, um, you know, just kind of creating that bridge and connection um, as well. Unfortunately, the gentleman I just mentioned, King, Kenneth Wiggins, he, he actually passed away. But, you know, just with what they've created, they've decided to kind of help with his organization. And there's new people running this organization now. They've decided to help our young people and donate funds to our young people to help them continue on their path towards, um, you know, getting involved in more technology or science-based careers. So, um, it's just interesting how it works works out. And a few of our students have decided have pretty much some of them are, 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 are you know, play sports for their schools. But they're like, hey, my backup plan, I'm really interested in this technology thing. I want to figure out, you know, um, computer science. What are the programs that I can get involved in when I'm in college? So now if, if I injure my leg or something happens to me, I can look at technology being a backup source as well. And the funny thing, a lot of kids realize too, you, you mean to tell me I can make even more money doing technology than I can as a football or basketball player? And then the, when they came to those realizations as well, like say, I could really do something for my family, you know, and, and there's an easier opportunity for me to get in and say, there's a thousand billion people who want to play basketball, but there's so limited people who are focusing on the tech sector. Now, you've made that connection for them, which opens up so many different avenues, worlds. And do you find that schools aren't really making that connection for them? Are you having to uncover, you know, creative potential from 
from what the school kind of structures for them? And uh, are you having to, you know, uncover layers to get get at that? Or um, is it, uh, I, I'm wondering why there isn't that connection in school itself to that, that right, same right. tech. I, right. So um, there's a, there's a, I won't go too deep, but there's a couple of different things. I think that you, you always have to uncover layers. And it's not that teachers or schools aren't willing. It's just they have a process they have to go to go through. And basically, end of the day, I don't want to get too heavy. It's teach, it's teach to the test. Right. So in most cases, you know, the young people are just kind of learning certain information and skill sets to teach to the test, which then in turn helps the school and, you know, so on, so on. So uh, it's, it's challenging. So in most cases, a lot of these activities have to happen um, either after school or during lunchtime, which is which is sad. So a lot of these kind of things have to have to have to happen either after school or during lunchtime. I've seen incidents where young people that I've worked with, not only with me but other tech teachers, have wind up building an app for the government, for DC government, and giving it to DC government. And they like the app so much they ask the kids to come back and create another one. And then now the kids are getting paid to do that. So nice. I think these are the kind of things that need to happen. And to be honest, especially with the population I work, know your user. You know, end of the day, um, back to the source again, you really have to know your user. And a lot of people within the community that I work with, everything is it's a, it's it's about money. That's the reality we live in, you know, especially the haves and the haves and have nots or i don't have the latest jordan but my friend down the street has the latest jordans okay well here's an opportunity if you can create this type of app or if you can create this type of website you can get a certain amount of money you can get eight of those jordans if you want so kind of that kind of motivator um helps as well but you know like i said unfortunately you you have to peel back these layers but i again i don't think it's layers that that they don't want to do it but Here's the cri- here's the policy criteria I have to focus on. Right. And whatever we can do around that or whatever extra time, whatever 20 minutes or, you know, 45 minutes or 10 minutes you have, I'll give it to you for this to help work with these young people. Right. Now, yeah, to switch gears because, uh, you know, you, you got a lot going there, but to switch gears just slightly um, – because I, I wanted to touch base with what you did with the Let's Move campaign. You were, and you, it was, uh, if you could talk about the campaign, you, it was so successful you were able to meet uh, First Lady uh, Michelle Obama. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that, that campaign was, um, was, yeah, the Let's Move campaign. That was great. That was when I was um, actually at a D.C. public school. And it was, a, it was basically a campaign where, where we, again, we, we, you know, the goal was to kind of like work on issues of health, you know, health, um, health and lifestyle. So we started uh, basically having every day we had different activities that we, you know, we were given a, a template of activities we should do, keep up with, document that information as well. Um, and then also try to implement this across the board to the to the faculty as well, which was very successful. So we we're able to to get the faculty involved. We even had, you know, specialized cooks that came in to talk to the parents about nutrition, what they should eat. You know, we looked at the area of the community and what resources were available for healthy eating. And it was just interesting even to, you know, the radius was like maybe like five to six or eight miles away, you know, to just to get a, um, you know, healthy, healthy salad, 
you know, or go, you know, place to get a healthy salad. So it was just interesting to see that. But, you know, the beautiful thing at, at the conclusion of that is that Michelle Obama came out to our school specifically to talk to the young people. And we're very proud of the work that we've done and the data that we collected and so forth. And that was just like, that was a pivotal moment. I, I really, that was a, a life-changing moment, you know, knowing that, you know, all the work, the, you know, the process, the source to build through, you know, going through the problems and issues and then making changes and then seeing the results of, of all that hard work. It, it, it really definitely was worth it. And uh, I know the kids today um, st- still remember that. Everyone still remembers that. You know, I still have a picture on my wall of that experience. It was incredible. Right. Right. Yeah. It'd, it'd be interesting to see that work for technology, you know, um, same sort of mm-hmm. idea, you know, uh, and, and bring, bring uh, you know, people closer to or youth you know, closer to technology. I, I think that's changing a lot. I, I keep seeing, you know, specifically, it seems like uh, targeted um, uh, uh, women to to code more and, and whatnot. So, yeah. So where, um, what what have you got, uh, what are you working on right now that you're really excited about and uh, what's, what's next for you? I'm really excited. I, I just started a, a new position at a place called Martha's Table. Really, really excited about that. Um, I'll be working in, with technology. So basically, Martha's Table uh, works to support you know, strong youth, strong families, and strong communities by increasing access to quality education programming, healthy food, and healthy families. So it's like a kind of a wraparound process for everybody, which is exciting. So I'll be working there, um, uh, working to build the, the you know, technology and working with the young people. Um, with technology, and uh, and in two years we'll be moving in a bigger space. So I have the opportunity really to have all the necessary resources I, uh, um, um, to 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 work with technology as far as building applications, learning um, code, CSS, JavaScript, you know, really in social media as well. You know, talking a lot about social media. So we'll have a space which I I would consider it um, um, kind of. Our little take on WeWorks, you know, where we have kids will have an opportunity to come in and work and use the space for, you know, it could be dealing with an application that they need to, to, to work through. It could be dealing with an application. And now we create a Web page around that. So, you know, really trying to um, focus on their needs as well as getting them involved in the, um, the emerging um, knowledge based economy. It's important. And I think that's something hopefully that, again, the school system will realize like that that shouldn't be a side project, but that should be really within the curriculum is like, you know, we need to get these young people up on the knowledge based community right. uh, economy, excuse me, knowledge based economy. So and then and then you, you, you also have a side project, the DCMA uh, dot love. Yes. Yes. So, uh, yes. So my side project is uh, DCMA.love, which we are providing resource and opportunities for musicians, um, you know, artists, as well as people who are just, uh, just music lovers. So that idea basically came out um, late night coffee, you know, coding in a class. And I realized, you know, I was probably, I, I was probably could have been a father to everybody in that class, which was funny. Uh, but anyway, 
um, you know, we, just, you know, what, what do I conversate? What do I talk about? How do I begin to talk to these uh, young people and have a conversation during coffee break? Do I understand anything about the millennials? So a lot of them do music and a lot of them did what we, you know, electronical music, which I dealt a lot with in Europe. I mean, I could go and McDonald's and hear like a, either a house or electronic song and it was no big deal. Like these are common things on the radio up there. So I knew a lot about the music and the music style and had a background in the music industry. So we wind up having a conversation and then each each day it just like during these coffee breaks the conversation got bigger and bigger and you know to the point where could you help me or you know could you provide me with this information? I'm having a gig next week, could you come out? So, you know, doing my research and, and understanding that I, I saw that it was a big need, you know, for um, during the time when I came up, it was called artist development, and a lot of record companies provided that for it. You had different, you know, artist repertoires, um, A and Rs, and just you know people who also worked in, in, in management as well. But you know, a lot of people were in house, and that helped to um, drive artists' careers. Even if they weren't with that label, they still had A and Rs that they could go back to. Say, if your A and R was with Sony, and then he moved over to to Warner Brothers, you still had that connection and they were helping you to develop your career. And if you want to go further back, that's basically what Motown was all about. I mean, you, you, you know, you had people come in and get developed and everything from publicity. How do you communicate? How do you talk to your to your to your art, artist? I mean, how do you talk to, you know, radio hosts like yourself, podcast? How do you connect? So there was a need. So basically, we're trying um, our dears to try our idea is to try to fulfill that need and offer, you know, opportunities, resources in the sense as, you know, we want to put together, you know, different workshop panels for young people, for for, you know, young and old people who who you know have their careers out as well as connect them internationally. Internationally is, is my key. So I've worked a lot um, internationally. So, you know, those contacts are there, but just really trying to help artists navigate and kind of be on this similar path, path as Chance the Rapper. Hey, you can do it. Here are the tools. Here are the steps. Um, if you need to know how royalties work or, you know, what distribution streaming service you should work with and what case, what ones provide you, um, who give you the blanket all the way through from, from publishing up to um, distribution of your, your royalties to each, you know, band member or whatever so you know really trying to help them understand that and um again we're a startup so you know any opportunities people are interested in finding out more you can you know connect with us we just have a what we call the splash page up at the moment um we're moving on to to really fully launch in january um is our time frame to fully launch but you know we're, we're, we're doing odd articles on medium as well just kind of you know letting people know here's some some, some things to think about um, as well as our Facebook page as well. Nice, nice. All right. Well, Tim, it's been it's been great to have you on the show. Um, do you, any uh, any last uh, uh, words of advice for those who you know want to uh, explore their their musical side and and uh, you know besides dcma.love, uh, where else can people go to uh, learn more about you? Um, yeah, there's resources. Well, there, there, there are a couple of different publications that, that are that are out. Um, I would say there, there's a, um, I believe it's called Medium, just just Medium, I believe it's called, Medium Daily or Medium, which is one. So if you go on there, I, you can just do a Google search on that Medium, 
and just go through and search. You'll see different articles of, of stuff that's going on in the music industry as well as the technology. So I think that's a, a, a really good source. Um, as well as now, there's a shift in Billboard magazine where they're covering uh, a lot of stuff that's dealing with you know digital digital streaming as well, which has now become, you know, you still can get a, a Grammy through digital streaming, which is again disrupting the industry. And Chance the Rapper was a part of part of that process to like kind of shift it in that direction because he was getting crazy streams, but no one's buying any physical CDs because he's not releasing physical CDs. So, um, you know, I think Billboard could be also a, a good suggestion to, to look for look for resources. All right. All right. I'll have, I'll have links in the, in the show notes for that. And, uh, all right. Well, thanks a lot, Tim. And, uh, it's been, it's been great having you on the show and it's, it's really interesting. The, I really like the idea of bringing the heart, uh, you know, bringing the source, you know, more into music and into the words. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see hopefully that shift from the chase to, you know, get the, the money and and the fame and so on to just really uh, engaging with what's happening in the community and bringing that forth and and seeing more of that that'll be that'd be nice to see. Uh, but great, great to have you on, Tim. Thank you, thank you so much, Was. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Wyatt. I appreciate it. <laughs>